up, podcast listeners? Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, today, we're going to talk with Matt Williams. Uh, he's a sales engineer in the cybersecurity space. Uh, and I hope this conversation really helps you out there who are thinking about uh, taking a, the road into sales, uh, help relate you know, to salespeople in general a little bit more, um, and uh, just in general, find some happiness in, in your career, uh, some success in your career. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in and let's get right into it. What's up everyone. Thank you uh, for joining today on the first episode of the InfoSec Sidekick podcast. Uh, this podcast is going to be all about, you know, figuring out where you are in your career in cybersecurity, exploring, you know, different paths that, that maybe you were thinking about um, in your career and just focusing a lot on, you know, you know, nurturing happiness in your life in cybersecurity and, um, you know, just, just trying to find your way in that sense. So with that being said, uh, there's going to be a lot of hiccups. It's our first episode, um, I'm sure. So, so please bear with us. And, uh, you know, I think both of us here, uh, myself uh, and Matt, really hope that you get some value out of this conversation. Um, so first off, uh, I'm Travis. I'm the host and uh, kind of creator of this concept of InfoSec Sidekick. And uh, it's, it's really supposed to be about, you know, you being the hero of your career. And as cheesy as that sounds, um, you know, I'm, I'm really just here to, to host conversations that, that bring value in some way to help you take something to the next level. So with that being said, I want to welcome our very first guest, Matt Williams. Um, he has been kind enough to to come on here and uh, be the you know the guinea pig pig for the first uh, episode here. Um, and uh, yeah, so so Matt, uh, take it away. You have any uh, any opening words? Yeah, just uh, thanks for thanks for having me on, and I look forward to you know two three years looking back at this conversation and kind of seeing uh, where it all started for the the podcast and and where it goes in the future and how it changes over time. So looking forward to having this conversation and especially because I have a lot of a lot of conversations with people about careers and you know finding joy in it and all that. And I think this is a good way to, to share with a broader audience. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think you and I are, are really on the same page when it comes to that. Um, we haven't known each other for that long. Um, you know, we kind of just crossed paths very briefly and uh, you've been a huge supporter of you know, just some of the, you know, new content I've been producing and, uh, you know, I really, really appreciate that. So, um, so Matt, you work in sales. So this might be a little bit of an odd direction that some people might not be expecting for the first episode of, you know, the InfoSec Sidekick podcast. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, just maybe what you do, you know, for, for a living? Yeah, no, absolutely happy to get into that. And I think um, salespeople, when we're doing the right things, maybe we kind of are like the InfoSec sidekick. So I think it is appropriate from that perspective. We're supposed to be helping helping out our partners. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in sales right now. I've worked for a number of companies. As of today, I'm with uh, Ping Identity. And you know, I focus on partnering with large accounts uh, in Southern California, specifically the Fortune 1000. You, help them solve challenges and whatever those might be. And for some, some companies they've had those challenges 
solved and so maybe we're not as relevant some customers that are using us and so we're figuring out how they can further use us uh, to solve challenges and um and then some some companies are exploring and trying to figure out how to solve challenges that we typically solve so i kind of view my role as a problem solver at the end of the day um yeah nice yeah so um so take me a little bit you know further back um i think I think there's a lot of people in, in cybersecurity, especially since um, it's getting I think getting harder to say this, but it's a newer discipline, right? Time goes on and, and it yeah. seems to be getting more mature. Um, but a lot of the leaders in, in the industry have very different backgrounds. You know, they weren't necessarily looking to get into cybersecurity. Um, so maybe you can tell, tell everyone a little bit about, you know, your, your college experience and what you thought you were going to be doing and, you know, how you kind of pivoted your first, um, you know, made your first pivot into the sales world. Yeah, sure. Good question. I'll actually go a little bit further than I shared last time when we, we chatted. So going sure. back to uh, freshman in college, I declared my major was declared as business. And I was kind of thinking about it. And I was like, both my parents majored in business. My mom is in technology sales. My dad is in healthcare. He's a healthcare broker, which is sales, and an uncle, all in technology sales. My perspective was, I want to do something different. I want to create my own path. And so I switched from business to civil engineering. Went through four years of that, um, you know, suffering through difficult math at 2 a.m. multiple times uh, throughout those four years. And then my senior year of college, uh, I had a uh, I was looking for income as a normal college student would. And I found out that we had a uh, position selling advertising in our school newspaper in the Gonzaga Bulletin. And uh, so I found out someone that worked there, bought him Chipotle, found out all the interview questions beforehand so I'd have a good interview and, um, you know, got a position there and ended up being their top salesperson all time at the uh, at that point so i was like at, when i graduated i was kind of like shoot i'm kind of good at the sales thing i enjoy it um, i was selling advertising i didn't feel like i could be called to that long term i still kind of had that engineer in me that liked problem solving and then i had a, a family member that was in cybersecurity that was talking to me about it and my perspective on cybersecurity at the time was it's norton or mac for your trend micro antivirus for personal computers like really really minimal understanding and then um you know found found a cybersecurity company with an entry-level role and applied and i felt like that'd be a good match between the sales skills that i had and i enjoyed and the social aspect of it and then also the technical it's an industry that's always changing there's a lot of problems to be solved so it kind of matched that engineering side as well so went from a civil engineer with you know selling advertising in a school newspaper to entry-level cybersecurity sales, because I think we talked about this last time. I didn't feel like I had the computer or the technical know-how to get into be a cybersecurity practitioner, but sales, you don't maybe need to have as much technical expertise. There's other knowledge that you can gain and understand. I feel like that'd be a good, good match for me. Nice. So, yeah, really, uh, really interesting. I think there's some, some commonalities and, and like a pretty you know, besides maybe the civil engineering degree, there was, you know, a relatively clear path forward for you. You identified 
um, your, your ability to sell, uh, you know, first and foremost, and then kind of combine that maybe with a little bit of an interest and, um, you know, a little birdie in your ear telling you, Hey, the cybersecurity thing's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I think, I think there's a lot of kind of like unspoken success that, that maybe might be too hard to get into right now, but, but might be worth talking about. Like, you know, you just become the top seller, right? Like, like what, what do you think some of the things were that made you a top seller? Yeah, so I'd probably attribute it to two things. One, as I mentioned, my my family was in sales. So, you know, I've been sitting on conference calls since I was three years old. So when I was first interviewing, they're kind of like, you don't really have any experience. I'm like, well, actually, I have 18 years of experience secretly. You know, I kind of have that perspective. So I kind of had a decent understanding at a high level, at least to be a professional. And then the second piece was a really attempt to focus on uh, solving a problem. Like my perspective is like a lot of people, I guess I should say, a lot of people, their perspective in sales is it's about bringing you money. And my perspective is there's a commission that comes with a sale, but that's a side effect to solving a problem. So I take, I treat the financial aspect of it as a side effect. And I focus on what is the problem that we're trying to solve. So on whose problems can I solve? Really educating myself on that, doing the research, beforehand so i'm not you know showing up and not looking like i know anything um but i really kind of take that outward focus on whoever i'm working with and i think that just led to a lot of success because you know hey what's the problem we're solving uh is it a big enough problem that you're willing to spend on it yes or no if no that's okay um we're not solving a problem that's meaningful yes okay let's talk about how that can work so i think that's kind of what has led to my success you know, throughout my career so far and continues to do so. Yeah. And it's, it sounds like, I mean, just to summarize a little bit, it sounds like, you know, and this is just a general, probably life tip, right? Like where you really, you're more successful when you focus on the right part of something, right? Like we can all focus on getting the quick dollar, um, especially within cybersecurity. Like it's really easy to, to, to fixate on that um, but that's a really fast way to a find unhappiness quickly and and b just generally not perform as well in your in your role and it sounds to me like maybe that was one of the things that you identified early on that that made you you know a, a successful salesperson because like let's not kid ourselves i think a lot of cybersecurity people and tech people you know and just problem solvers in general, which are the people you're working with, have a really good, you know, BS radar when it comes to being able to test that stuff, right? Um, and, yeah. and I'm sure we could talk about that a lot because you, you know, you interface with that every day. It's a stigma that you have to overcome every day. Um, but, but yeah, I think that was a really, really insightful thing that you know, whoever's listening can really try and internalize um, to be, you know, successful. Yeah, and I, I think the piece I'll add to that is, you know, sitting on your side as as a practitioner or somebody who's maybe a buyer, it, it, it's really hard initially to separate, like, who's there to help me and, and who's there just from their own selfish financial perspective. And so it is, it is on, you know, myself or other salespeople to find a way to break through and say, like, hey, I really am 
you know, trying to help you and like, here's how I'm going to prove it, add value, here's insights for you. So you have to focus on that, kind of just keep putting in that effort. Right. So one of the questions I had for you that, you know, is just m me being a little ignorant um, to the sales world, but I often see reference to inside versus outside sales. Is, is that something mm -hmm. you can illuminate for me a little bit? And, and where do you live? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good question. Right now, I think we all technically are in inside sales because we're all uh, inside the house in this COVID era. But in general, yeah, inside sales is about you're coming to an office every day, a desk, and uh, you're not going outside and meeting with clients. Whereas outside sales, you're going out face-to-face -face meeting with clients. Um, and if anyone's listening to this, like making that jump from inside to outside sales is usually the hardest jump to make in a career besides maybe breaking in, not necessarily from a, a skills perspective, um, but just from a perception perspective. If you have, if you're a great inside salesperson, hiring managers don't necessarily think that you will be a great outside sales um, person. So there's a lot of uh, perks to it. You get to meet with people and you know, work more closely with uh, more interesting companies that are solving more interesting challenges. Um, but making that jump can definitely be challenging. So is is the jump from inside to outside considered a, pr a career progression in inside sales? Or is it, are they kind of like two equal playing fields from like a career um, advancement, it, per, you know, space? Sure. I'd say generally it's it's viewed as that. I think it goes organization by organization, uh, but I'd say like, there's organizations where the inside sales role is considered kind of the premier career progression. You start with the outside sales. But I'd say if I had a guess, especially in technology, I'd say in 80% of organizations, uh, you make a jump from an inside sales role to an outside sales role. Right. And, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but just kind of to hint at this, you know, whether or not you enjoy travel and such might play a big role in which one you prefer too, right? So, um, and quality yeah. of life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think the inside sales role probably does a little bit better job of keeping their workload to 40 hours a week. So there's certainly perks that come with it. Nice. All right, uh, let's uh, pivot a little bit. So I, I know we didn't really maybe there's a little bit of a gap that we didn't talk about in your career where you kind of, you know, went from um, breaking into kind of the cybersecurity sales space to get to where you are now, but just to color that for people, I don't think we need to focus on it too much, but, you know, Matt's working for a, a pretty large organization, well-known in the industry, and, you know, he's doing inside sales there, and um, worked your way up, and I, I think just looking at it, I'm impressed by that, and, um you know, I, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say on that before we, you know, moved on there? As far as the career progression piece? Yeah. I mean, is there anything in there that you think that, you know, viewers might, might benefit from like where you were transitioning, um, you know, how yeah. you framed yourself? I don't know anything there. Yeah. So I think the comment I'll add on, as you kind of said, like there's kind of an impressive career progression. I think you see that externally, but what might be missed is, you know, I think for every promotion I got, there was about 10 rejections that came with it to other similar roles. So it's it's not something that's necessarily easy. And I think at the end of the day, you need to find someone that's willing to 
believe in you and bet on you to make that jump and you have to take away their uh, reasons that they may not want to promote you make it make it really hard for them to say no and there's ways you can do that around making just a, a logical choice um, so understand that you know career progression it comes with it's not just a straight up path it's kind of a you know a stop chart although you know that's kind of an interesting analogy to use yeah yeah times. yeah seriously all right man thank you for that so so let's jump into um you know something that i was thinking that was kind of interesting which is sales in the cybersecurity world versus the not cybersecurity world you know i don't know if there's any other interesting way to say that but um you know people who are watching this have an interest in cybersecurity and may you know so so i want to keep it on that topic but obviously there are probably 8000 times more generic sales positions with companies that aren't necessarily focused on cybersecurity and and arguably you know the ones that are out there that are big names are you know dual factored you know there there's some cybersecurity components there's just general development components um but but talk to me a little bit about i mean having been in advertising and 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 all that kind of stuff you know what are some of like the differences if any of working within a sales team that's focused more around cybersecurity. Yeah, so number of things come to mind. One, you know, there's all, all these different kind of sales disciplines. There's large sales groups around medical devices, around uh, prescription medication, um, around advertising, to your point, technology in general, cybersecurity within technology, and then, you know, a number of groups with uh, under technology as well. I kind of think what's, what's different about cybersecurity is you can't really talk about it as much. You know, I, I was joining this uh, kind of social media site specifically for sales, and it said, you know, who have you worked with? Who are your references? Who have you sold to? I'm kind of like, you know, I've worked at a number of different companies and I'm sure it's possible for someone to research what those companies are using and, and what I've sold to them in the past, but it's also kind of sensitive information. So I, I can't really promote myself in that way of who I've worked with and what businesses I work with and references can be a little bit more challenging to get compared to other industries because of the sensitivity of what we're doing. I think the next challenge from a cybersecurity perspective is you talk to people that have um, salespeople to have a cybersecurity component within their portfolio. Like if it's a, a Microsoft, they have cybersecurity solutions or um, Google now has cybersecurity solutions under their cloud unit. Uh, AWS has cybersecurity solutions and you know, there's consulting companies that sell cybersecurity as well as IT consulting. Typically, I, I can't give you the why behind this, but there seems to be this general feedback that like it's harder to connect with a CISO than a CIO. I don't know if that's because of security practitioners in general are more risk adverse, if it's because cybersecurity has worse salespeople in general, so they, they're wanting to be avoided. Um, but for whatever reason, it's, it's harder to get in front of security practitioners than other technology practitioners. It's kind of the feedback I get. Um, but as far as the like the benefits, I mean, I've talked about it. Like, I think you're solving really interesting problems. 
I like being able to say, hey, we power this app and we help make it more secure and we hopefully prevent breaches. Like there's kind of a, an exciting mission behind that as well, as opposed to, uh, you know, we sell advertising and get more exposure. Some people love that. Uh, for me, I, I feel like I need a, a stronger mission to tie to. So, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. Um, but those are some of the, the ones that kind of stand out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, obviously me working on internal cybersecurity teams throughout my career, you know, you always want to be careful with, you know, even posting a job requirement, like just putting, uh, Hey, we have, you know, uh, Q radar and, you know, these are our firewalls and this and that, like to a certain degree, that stuff is easy enough to find out, but you need to be cognizant about, you know, you know, what you're putting out there, you know, you got to careful about versioning because all of those things have like suddenly have vulnerability context around it. Right. Um, and it's the, it's the same thing. It sounds like in sales. Um, but yeah, it, interesting, interesting, uh, little nuances there. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you've worked for fairly large organizations or well-established organizations, um, throughout, you know, your cybersecurity sales career. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit deceptive. So my first company was a startup, but they were acquired oh. by Semantic under Broadcom. So when you go to my LinkedIn, it says Broadcom, so it looks like large company. And then I was acquired, or I was working with Semantic, and then they were acquired by Broadcom. So Broadcom is, has been a large theme in my life, and that's when I uh, I left around the same time. And then after that, I found myself at Ping, which is about a thousand employees. So I've kind of had that that nice um, perspective around this is what a you know hundred employee company looks like. This is what a thousand employee company looks like, and this is what a I think Semantic was sixteen thousand employees or so companies at the time. So good good breadth wow. across those. Interesting. So yeah, I actually was expecting you to just answer yes to my question, and then uh, so I, I was totally <laughs> wrong, um, which is actually kind of nice because what I was trying to get at is there is you know, within the cybersecurity community of, you know, practitioners, engineers, and, and analysts, and, you know, everything in between, there is such a big difference between working for a startup and working for, you know, some sort of well-established organization, even if, you know, one of the things I can think of, the team sizes may not even be that different, right? Like, sure, there are companies yeah. that have hundreds of people on their cybersecurity, you know, inside cybersecurity team, um, but there's also just as big companies that have, you know, three people working in a sock, you know, grinding away, um, you know, protecting the, you know, the, the gold. But, um, but there is still like 100% that, you know, more rounded person, potentially more just generally like super smart type of people that I've seen that just tend to like gravitate towards um, the startup world. And um, just for clarification, I have no experience there. I, I did take like a foray into exploring that um, and it was like a whole different world to me. So, you know, is it the same in sales? And like, what, what's the general feeling, you know, between you and your colleagues about, um, you know, what it means to work for a startup or a smaller organization, you know, opposed to kind of jumping right into the, to the big guns? 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. I was actually talking about this with a industry mentor on well, Thursday or Friday, so a day or two ago. And, you know, our, our kind of perspective was, you know, put us in a startup, you know, we'll do fine. Put us in a large company, we'll do fine. There's pros and cons to each, and I'll talk about those in a second. We also have noticed that there's people that like, we want to do pre-IPO startups two years from, uh, you know, going to IPO, about 500,000 people company. There's people that we just want to do you know, the largest companies out there. And there's people that are like, I want to take early stage startup. You know, it might take eight years to IPO or get bought out by someone, but I think it could it could be very lucrative if we do that. So kind of see people choose their expertise and their specialty, just kind of like cybersecurity, like, hey, I'm good at this. And then you see people that maybe have uh, skills that translate across all of those. As far as kind of the differences, you know, small company, typically nimbler, nimbler can develop faster. I remember um, my first company, there's a customer that needed a requirement and, you know, we, we pumped it out in a month. And there's a list of requirements, I should say a list of requirements. And I think there's about 40 of them. So be able to develop, you know, four requirements over a month. You know, like into the product? Quick and you're, yeah, like into the product. Like, yeah, set out a, a major release pretty quickly. Um, but generally, um, not necessarily my company, not necessarily other companies, but generally the processes are less defined than that they are at large companies because large companies rely on processes to make things happen. They can't. They can't scale otherwise. So you go to a large company and they might have better processes in place, but maybe they're not as nimble. And, um, you know, so there's there's components around that and kind of like, here's what I have today. And if that doesn't fit with what you need, like I can't really do anything about that unless you're willing to wait for, you know, either something's coming out soon or it's coming out a year later, hopefully. Right, so there's that component. But there's also the the brand component. You know, when you're with a smaller company, nobody's ever heard of you. I think there's like 4,000 vendors or something like that. Like a lot of people clamoring for different companies' time. Um, so with that, like you don't have that brand and the weight. So you really need to focus on the problem-solving aspect and really understand what you solve. Whereas with when you're with a large brand, you can kind of throw the weight of the brand behind you and say, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm what else with semantics? Hey, I'm semantic. Um, which everybody had an opinion on semantic. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, uh, but everybody had an opinion because it was, it was a large brand. So those are kind of the, some of the perspectives that I gained there. Yeah, and, and you know, let's not kid ourselves. Having a perspective on a brand means they know it by name. So it sounds right. to me like that's a big thing, right? Like where some people might enjoy the grind of like trying to, you know, hook the big fish or trying to, you know, build repertoire with people. And I think you have to do that anyway, but, but it's kind of the difference maybe between an organization approaching you versus you approaching an organization, right? Like you might, I don't know if this is true or not, but you might get opportunities that come through the pipeline because someone Googled or heard from a colleague that, you know, a company that you work for had done really well for them in the past or you know it's the top result on google because your company invests a lot in that you know versus yeah i don't know who you are i don't trust you at all like i don't have time for a demo you know like like i guess i would imagine that's very that those are two different types of people um you know who can thrive in those environments 
yeah, I think there's there's a lot of truth in, in what you said because uh, Semantic, when I was there, had were leaders in Gardner Magic Quadrants and Forrester Waves and I think five or so technologies. So sometimes you get people that call you up and say, I have a project around data loss prevention and I see Semantic is number one and we're going to look at one, two, and three and understand what's the best fit for us. Whereas uh, Dynamics, the first company I was with, it was... Um, there wasn't a magic quadrant at the time. So it was really it had to be really specific around these are the top three problems we solve for your industry and for your peers. Do you find this relevant? So yeah, I think you're spot on there. Nice. All right, man. Well, I think, <clears throat> I think uh, that's just been a really good perspective. I think I've learned a lot about, um, you know, just sales in general and, and kind of how you've gone through that process and, you know, some of the nuances there. Um, I wanted to take a, a pivot a little bit because this is something that I think is really important to focus on nowadays um, on this podcast and just everywhere. Uh, but that's the you know career lifestyle and how it kind of also combines in with mental health aspects of you know just every day dealing with the struggles and the upsides and the downsides. Um, so so maybe we can just you know I think we had planned on maybe talking about those things separately, but it might make more sense to, you know, flow back and forth between those things. And um, so, so I wanted to start with, you know, the, just the sales lifestyle, right? So I think one of the first things I think about when, you know, as someone who has never done it before and who has worked with various salespeople, I think we always go right to the commission, you know, um, it's the easiest thing to latch onto in terms of like, you know, the, the little, you know, the worm on the end of the fishing hook, like, Oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. You know, you, you, you make money if you, if you perform well, even though, uh, you know, a lot of people in our, in our industries have that in the form of like a bonus or something like that. But the idea of a commission is, is just super exciting to some people because, the sky is potentially the limit. Like, I don't know if there's limits on that stuff, but I mean, if you, for some reason, just had like the most ridiculous quarter or year, I mean, you could find yourself someplace ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, maybe you can kind of illuminate that whole part of your life a little bit, like not going into details or anything, but just like, what's that all about? In sure, sure. So I think that's that's part of one of the things that attracted me to sales in the first place. Like if I do well, I get rewarded and there's a direct correlation to how I do in certain metrics. And uh, if I don't do well, then I don't do as well. And so I kind of have control of my own destiny. And, and like I said, it's, it is a uh, side effect of focusing on solving problems because I don't think you can be effective otherwise. But typically, in a sales role, you have a, a base, and you know as you work your way up, that becomes more and more over time. And then you have a, a commission amount, which is if you close X dollars, you get Y dollars. Um, and it's typically a 50-50 split. So if you close X dollars, you typically get the amount of Y, which is equal to your base. And so, but number of companies, they don't um, cap commission. So you know, there are salespeople that have a great year and they earn seven figures. And some companies I've, I've heard occasionally of, of eight figures. So it can be really lucrative. That's not the norm. Um, 
you know, but it's, but it is out there and that option is out there. There's a lot of interesting conversations out there around salespeople talking about maybe we should get rid of commission structures um, and just go to salary. But I, I personally like it. So, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother topic at the same time. So yeah, from a, from a sales perspective and the commission side, um, I just like how it translates to your results and, um, and that piece of it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm almost tempted to compare it to, but not really to like a waiter's salary, you know, like you make a little less on the, you know, the hourly, but, you know, performing well will equal more. And obviously, I don't think that's a really good analogy. Um, you know, I don't know, but, you know, like as you move up, the base might become more of a living wage. I don't know. Is there is there an expectation people should have maybe to where if they're just trying to get into sales or they're a little more junior that, um, you know, like I've heard of commission only positions. I've heard of, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is if someone's looking to get into cybersecurity sales, I mean, should they be prepared yeah. to sacrifice a little bit on their lifestyle until they can build that experience and you know not really rely on on that commission to to supplement their income yeah i, th I think there's a lot to unpack there and some of it's based on opinions so I'll, I'll share somebody on i personally think the waiter analogy is is a good example and i'll kind of add to it if you're a waiter at um like a, a higher-end restaurant you know, three Michelin star restaurant, there's going to be more expected out of you, but you're going to get more from like a tips perspective and the people you're working with. And so I kind of think about, as your salesperson, think about what kind of restaurant you're working at and what, what kind of financial aspect comes out of that. Um, as far as breaking in and getting in, uh, it kind of depends where you start. You know, there's individuals that have been practitioners for some time and so because they have that practitioner experience, they might be hired as a sales engineer with a base that gets them to a point where they're pretty comfortable. As far as someone starting out of college, um, again, if you're in technology and you're in cybersecurity at least, you're usually in a good spot from like someone that's out of college. I'll kind of put it that way. Like you can pay your rent. Maybe you need some roommates. Um, you probably wouldn't be supporting someone you know, you probably want to be supporting a, a wife and two kids in Southern California buying a house from an entry-level right. perspective. But if you're making that transition and you have other experience, you don't necessarily need to start in an entry-entry level role. Um, as far as the 0% commission, you know, there's, there's people that do that and there's, they get the opportunity to be rewarded more because there's less liability for the company. So they usually get a higher percentage of the deals that they close and for some people that works great like I think when I talked about someone who I know that got eight figures in a year they were on a zero percent commission plan oh interesting um, but yeah but you're on a zero percent commission plan so could have ended worse right? for six months. <laughs> yeah it could have ended worse so you know there's there's different kind of pros and cons of each of those and um, it just kind of depends on your personality I have I have a wife and two girls and so I don't, and I don't ever want to be in the point where I feel like I have to close a deal to pay rent because then that influences my perspective as a problem solver. I'm not necessarily solving your problem anymore. I'm solving my problem. And so I try to stay away from that for that reason. Man, that, that is so interesting how that kind of comes full circle, right? Like 
you know, in the beginning, we were talking about how one of your primary advantages and like key strengths is the ability to separate yourself and really just tackle, you know, hard problems and, you know, not focus on making the sale and just, you know, working more with the person on the other side of the phone or the video and, and helping them just genuinely trying to solve an issue. But once you start talking about commission and, you know, lifestyle, and if you're oversubscribing there, you know, that advantage becomes less accessible because, you know, you have a lot of other things in your life that you maybe need to worry about. So, man, I think that is a really important, like, little nugget you just dropped and, and like we kind of unpacked there for people who are thinking about you know either making the transition who are in a place where they haven't you know dug themselves into any sort of like you know lifestyle position and they're just ready to make a move or for people coming out of college where you might come out have a really good year or a quarter even like very short term you know and you go and get that monthly car payment or something like that you know, your sales ability, not only like your financial status is at jeopardy at that point, but your ability to execute future sales is actually impacted. Um, I, I, I think that's actually really insightful and um, something that I hope, you know, people listening really take to heart. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, that we, we talked about this last time, like financial freedom and just having flexibility and that allows you that plays into so many things like it forces it allows you to really focus on your customers if you're needed to make a change in your career it means you don't have to pick the first option that comes to you it means you can actually pick something that's the right fit so it just ties into so many things um, in your life sweet man so um i guess we're, we're approaching the end here and i really appreciate you know all the time that you devoted to just having this conversation. Um, and I hope people really found value in just kind of your story and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, the stuff that you talked about. But um, trying to find a way to kind of just bring it all back to cybersecurity. So uh, forgive me if I talk a little bit here, but if you have anything you want to add, um, you know, jump in and, and give your perspective because I think it's really important. Um, you know, me personally, uh, I really enjoy, and again, man, we could probably have like three episodes of this conversation because as I think more, you know, we get, you know, maybe to unpack more, but I really enjoy the interpersonal aspect of my career. Um, even though I have a lot of technical problems to solve and can probably keep my head down, you know, pretty frequently and just bang away at the keyboard. Um, I really, really like talking to people like Matt, to people, uh, you know, just within the organization and solving problems that way. And uh, one of the things that I've thought off and on throughout my entire career is, hmm, you know, I, I always kind of like really make friends with the salespeople I talk to, even if I don't close deals with them. Um, I just, you know, can really relate to the, to the potentially like more extroverted side of, of their personalities and and uh, even relate to the introverted sides that, that you know, you get to know through having conversations. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe I would be really happy in a sales role, you know, and um, kind of putting aside all the stigmas that I was, I had built up throughout the years of just kind of talking to other people who work inside of companies in cybersecurity, 
you know, everyone has the dirty, you know, the jokes about the salespeople and stuff and just kind of like unpacking that all from my head and, and really thinking to myself, you know, maybe that would be interesting. And, and sometimes I still think that, you know, it's, 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 it's an option that's on the table for everyone who's not in it right now. Um, you know, and, and I think it's worth your time if you're sitting somewhere and you're not you're not particularly happy if there's something missing if you want more of that you know non-technical component to your career maybe um you know don't don't let the stigmas and the the um, you know other people's opinions really you know let make you shy away from considering something that could make you you know really happy um so I'll, I'll, I'll pause there. I mean, Matt, did you have anything else to add on that? Yeah, I think just kind of a little bit of additional commentary. I was talking to somebody this thing about moving from sales to product marketing. We were talking about it and I think she'd be great. And she kind of had some hesitations because she'd never been in product marketing before. And kind of the, the conclusion we came to is like, hey, let's not, let's not let you get in your own way of trying something out. Um, that might be interesting to you. So I think that applies to, you know, if you're a cybersecurity professional and you're in the trenches every day and, you know, there might be some interest in sales, but there might be some trepidation there, but, you know, it's worth at least going and exploring and trying it out. And if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can always go back to being a cybersecurity professional. So it doesn't, doesn't stop you from going back to what you're doing. And I always kind of say, and you hear this a lot from a lot of people, like the regrets you usually have are, things of omission, things that you don't do. So it's always worth uh, giving it a shot and you know, making sure that you live life uh, with all options explored. Yeah, man. No, perfect. And and I know we didn't really talk about this much, but I really wanted to focus on the last comment here, just being cybersecurity as a career can exist in the sales world, right? Like, like you get to have those cybersecurity conversations. And if that's the fix you still need, sales is an option. You know, it's, it's not, I, don't, I didn't want to make this episode about pivoting outside of security into a sales role. It's pivoting from potentially a sale, uh, a, you know, an analyst position into a cybersecurity sales position or, um, and, and, you know, not to pigeonhole everyone else, but, you know, if you're already in a sales position, you know, maybe taking what Matt said today, you know, about how he progressed and, um, you know, some of the skills that he used and, and honed over that time to, to get to where he is, like, to also build your career up in the cybersecurity space. Um, and I told Matt, um, I told you that, you know, I think just you having experience building solutions out with customers might even qualify you to pivot to you know uh, an inside cybersecurity team if that was really your passion you have some valid experience there you know and i think that's another really interesting conversation to have and at the end of the day it's all about i think it all comes down to what are you the most happy doing and trying to find that pursue it like with all of your heart to to get there and uh if we've done nothing else today i hope we've been able to you know maybe inspire someone who's been thinking about this or um, help someone in some way who's been thinking about this topic. Um, I know I'm always available to, um, to help anyone out who's, who's, who's struggling in that area or who wants to know more information. Um, so you can hit me up 
uh, obviously on, uh, you know, any of my handles on the InfoSec Sidekick, um, you know, page. Um, I'll obviously link those in the descriptions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Matt, I don't know if you're, you know, you're in the same boat there, um, but I just wanted to give you a real quick chance to do a sign off and, uh, you know, just get any last words you wanted to say. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll close with a similar thoughts with you, which is I, I really enjoy helping people in their careers. So if you're interested in getting cybersecurity, if you're interested in getting into sales, like I have I have good expertise in helping people break in because I've taken my own path. So, you know, find me on LinkedIn, bug Travis to figure out how to get a hold of me. Uh, I don't plan on dis disappearing anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, happy to help. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again, Matt. Uh, you know, show Matt some love in the comments or wherever you want to do it. Um, I'll be posting this, blasting it out across the internet. Um, you know, at some point, this is obviously pre-recorded. Uh, so I just want to thank Matt for taking the time out of his day. Um, you know, I know everything's crazy. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not that impressive because we're all just kind of sitting in our houses anyway. But, you know, eat Anyway, that's just a joke. I, I really appreciate your time, Matt, and thanks so much for being, um, you know, one of the first guests on our podcast. Yeah, no, thank you, Travis. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. I hope you have a, a wonderful day and uh, keep tuning back in. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on LinkedIn, and uh, we'll see you next time.